Hello. Come and join me today as I walk in the beautiful Southern Nevada desert. Have a little God chat while we walk. Little preacher chat. I think today what I want to focus on is really the sovereignty of God in decision making, our decision making, and how God is sovereign in that. And sometimes this could be very difficult to get our heads around or grasp or even accept. I know I, for one, have struggled uh, with a lot in the past in this area and still do to some degree. And I, I hope I don't anymore because every time I've had to deal with this, uh, it's been very hard. It's been very hard lessons. And obviously I don't learn them real well because I have to keep going over them. But anyway, let me, let me get to the point here. I was communicating with my dear brother Marcos in Brazil, and we were emailing each other and sharing some thoughts, and he's always so encouraging to me. And his wisdom and insight, not only in the things of God and the spiritual issues, but in just global things that are going on, always move me in a in a more positive direction and I always feel better after communicating with him I mean truly iron sharpens iron and um, it's just a it's a great thing so we were talking about some of these world events that are going down in the spiritual darkness and things like that surrounding us and we were talking about these um, decisions you know that we need to make and I had wrote something to him to the effect of you know not to take uh, anything away from our beautiful new covenant in our Lord Jesus Christ I mean I would never never trample that so don't get me wrong but I wrote something to the effect of sometimes I wish we had a, a real prophet real real prophets real men of God who spoke in behalf of Yahweh, who were actually called to do that. You know, not this phony baloney crap we have today. Real prophets of God that, that could guide you, that could say, this is what the nation needs to do. Here's where you need to go, what you need to do or, you know, not do. Oftentimes, on the same note, it's like, I wish there was a priesthood of some sort, um, you know, real men of God, real priests, not for matters of salvation. I mean, I realize we have our Lord Jesus Christ who's the high priest. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in matters of going to synagogue, um, breaking down the Torah, the Psalms, the prophets, line by line. Um, adding and, and, and building on the law of God, someone to teach you, right? I think you get my point. You know, that's all old covenant stuff. And I'm not talking about matters of salvation. I'm talking about matters of, of guidance and leadership that I, I, I see a huge void in 
not only uh, politically, education-wise, fiduciary, but in religion. There's just a huge void in leadership. Where are real leaders? Where are real men and women of God? So, you know, it's like in the day of uh, the days of judges, when God gave a judge to guide Israel and to, you know, lead them into battles and give them decisions and things. So it's that kind of, of deal that I was talking about. So, you know, we have, uh, you know, our Lord Messiah, who's our high priest, and all things of salvation and matters of salvation, and then the Holy Spirit that leads us into, you know, all truth. And I will say that I've had some incredible experiences that the Lord and the Holy Spirit led me in the right direction in ways I would never expect. Well, as Marcos, Brother Marcos and I were having this, this conversation, I, I said something to the effect of, well, I think we often limit God by our expectations of how he should or would or could act in our behalf. Uh, if I was God, fill in the blank, I would do such and such. I would do this, I would do that. If I were God, see. So we have these certain expectations of how it should be for our lives and because of that it, we limit we don't limit God we, we limit our understanding of how God is working in our lives so you know when I wrote that brother Marcos had uh, he shared a story with me and, I, and it was very I uh, very apropos it really uh, really hit home he said that he had heard a story about Francis Schaeffer, the late great theologian, philosopher, Francis Schaeffer. And he, he was telling a story that there was a time in his life that he prayed and prayed and prayed over a certain matter. And he wasn't hearing anything from God, anything. And after much prayer and seeking guidance, he just took a coin and flipped it. He just tossed it. So, <laughs> it's funny as that sounds, you know, it reminded me of the ancient biblical practice, even the New Testament practice of casting lots to, to determine what God's will was for the nation. They had the Urim and Thummim and the priest's breastplate, even the the disciples had cast, had cast lot, flipped a coin, so to speak, to pick who was going to uh, secede Judas as, as a disciple, as an apostle. So, don't get me wrong here, follow me. I'm not saying, hey, you just take coins out of your pocket and go, ah, does God want me to get an oil change today? I don't know. Heads or tails, you know, I, I'm not talking flippant nonsense. I'm talking about seeking guidance, you know, in your life 
and perhaps not limiting our understanding in the way God may or may not provide and work that out. So for example, I have, I have way too many stories to tell, but one of the things when I was a, when I first came back to the Lord, when I, uh, those of you who know my testimony, I was not walking with God for about 30, 35 years. And in 2006, bad things happened to me. And uh, I call it the, the donkey kick in the face road to Damascus experience. You know, just got kicked in the face. And uh, came back to the Lord, found my way back and said, uh, my life belongs to you, you take it. So I had been back very long and I was going to uh, a church and uh, what happened is in our community, it was in San Jacinto, California at the time, uh, a big wind came and uh, it destroyed a lot of, a lot of things in, in San Jacinto and in the Hemet area, uh, you know, broke down a lot of structures and things. And I had just got done, I lived on a five acre ranch at the time. I just got done paying uh, for, for this landscaping and, you know, rock, um, you know, landscaping. And I had a pool and everything. And with this, what you call a hubbub, when this, this wind blew, it, it, especially where I lived, I lived in a canyon, a box canyon. It came down, you know, probably 60, 70 miles an hour. And uh, it totally annihilated everything I had done. And the pool was like, if you just took buckets full of a tractor and emptied sand into it, it was a major, major mess. And when this happened, I, uh, I couldn't understand how it could happen to me because I was a Christian now and I was following Christ. And in my mind, in my understanding at this point, I had the misconception, it is a misconception, that no harm, no wrong, nothing bad could ever happen to me, that God would protect me from all things, even a wind. Uh, now, can he? Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Will he all the time? No. <laughs> the thing is that, you know, that scripture says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. Well, I wasn't quite familiar with that. So I, it really discouraged me that here I was trying to do right, trying to follow Christ, and then bad things happened. And I know it might sound silly as I tell you this now, but, you know, back in 2006, it, it, it really bothered me. It rocked my world. And I remember going to church that Sunday, and the pastor asked the congregation, you know, to raise their hands, all those who were affected by this wind and lost property and roofs and trees blew down and damage and things. And there was quite a few people affected. And uh, I, for one of them. And uh, so he had us all uh, pray for those people. And, you know, it was then I realized, hey, 
I wasn't the only Christian, the only person trying to follow God that the wind affected. You know, what, what, do, what do you learn from that? Uh, what, what I learned at that point was, holy moly, there was people who suffered a lot of great damage. So much more than my decorative rock and my pool getting dirty. And so be thankful that you were spared much deeper agony. So that, that's, that's just an example of, of at least one time where I had an expectation of how God should work. And he didn't because he's sovereign, see? He, it's not about us. It's always about God. And it's about his ultimate redemptive plan. It's, it's always about that. Even the book of Revelation says the spirit of prophecy is Jesus Christ. Our Messiah is that spirit of prophecy. Everything that's prophesied in the Old Testament, everything leads up to Messiah, that new covenant. So it's not about us. It's about God. And it's how we fit into God's plans, which we can't get our head around or understand. So it puts us at a point where at some level, you have to trust, you have to have faith um, that God is in control, that, he's, that he is in fact sovereign and he is the sovereign in our lives. We just have to. And I was one of those guys that took control of everything. I mean, almost 30 years in law enforcement, that's the way you're trained. You go to scene, you go somewhere, crime, you take control. You have to be in control. You're the law. So it was hard to give up. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. Another time, not too long after 2006, um, oh, there's another one. I got stuck in a blizzard in 2006 in Colorado for two weeks and uh, couldn't get back home. And a lot of weird things were happening over there. And uh, when I slipped and fell on the ice, it almost cracked my head. I looked at the sky and that devil, he whispered in my ear and he says, I thought the angels were supposed to give charge over you so you wouldn't stub your toe. <laughs> Man, I was mad. I was mad all the way home. I was mad for two weeks. I took my Bibles, all my studies, piled them in a big pile. 
I said, I'm not reading this crap again. Um, and it took a while for God to work on my heart. But I didn't understand what I was going through and what he was, the lessons there. So I'm kind of pig-headed there because it's happened to me over and over again. And as I talk about it, I'm going, holy cow, Paul, you better learn your lesson because <laughs> you don't want to go through that stuff again. Now in 2009, I had some issues with an attorney and he was a bad attorney and he was a crook and he was a ripoff artist and uh, he was a real arse. And I said, there's no way God is gonna let this guy triumph over me because I am a child of God. And this guy is clearly an evil arse attorney. And it was a, a case I really didn't have anything to do with, but other people around me um, sucked me in. So anyway, uh, I was just very certain God was going to uh, deliver me from this guy. And he didn't. And it ended up costing me $50,000. $50,000. I had just retired and uh, had taken my money and I would have never retired had I known that less than a year later I would have been paying 50 grand out of my retirement uh, to this attorney. So I was, I was really mad. Once again, uh, I uh, called out to God and I was serious. Some of you have heard the story before where I said, if there were somewhere else to go, I would go. If there was another God to serve, I would serve. If, if, if I knew that Allah, if I honestly believe in my heart that Allah was a real God, I'd go to him in a heartbeat. If I honestly knew that the new age mystical practices of spiritualism was, was the right way, the way to go, I would do that in a heartbeat. But I've been there. I've been there. I've done that. Um, if I knew the rejected Messiah and just going to ancient Jewish Orthodox Judaism was the way to go, I would do it in a heartbeat. And as I was actually having this yelling fit at God while driving home, I was confessing out of my mouth, out of anger, that there was nowhere else to go. And I said, you know what, I'm stuck with you and you're stuck with me. <laughs> you're stuck with me because I received the Messiah. I received your free gift of eternal life and I ain't letting go. And you're stuck with me. And if there was somewhere else to go, if there was another God that was real, I would go. But as I confessed out of my mouth, people, I'm telling you, something came over me. And it was like, that's it. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew at that point, there was only one true God. Because out of my despair, out of my anger, out of my loss of $50,000 to an evil, satanic, crooked attorney, 50 grand, folks. No, the insurance didn't pay it. I paid it. It came out of my, my bank account, 50 grand, 2009. I was mad. God didn't protect me. But what I got out of it was that I knew that I knew that I knew, and it was unshakable that there's only one real God, that there was nowhere else to go. I know it's a weird lesson, but that's what happened. 
I will tell you on the positive side, and 2013, I believe it's 2013, 2014, one of those years, my, uh, my wife's uncle died and we brought him to our house to die with us because we didn't want him dying alone in LA. It's just, we did that because we don't, you know, people shouldn't die in transition by themselves. So we had him transported to our house so that he can die in our house under hospice, under the only family he had here that we loved him. Well, when he died, he left us, guess how much? 50 grand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so some of you might say, well, yeah, but if you didn't lose your first 50 grand, you'd have 100 grand, but that's, that's not it. God, God restored with that canker worm stolen. But the lesson that I learned in that canker worm was far greater than the monetary value. You understand? Is God going to work that way all the time? Is it going to work that way in your life? Uh, don't, don't expect it because you're going to limit yourself and your understanding if you do. It's best just to understand that he's sovereign in these decisions. And it's best just to have trust and faith that he's a sovereign God who does agape. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay. He does love you. You are his creation. You are Christ, his son's inheritance. Uh, he's not out to do bad things or let bad things happen to you, but sometimes they're bad and we don't understand. Okay. I have many more stories. I've got great stories about super frustration uh, situations in my life that I couldn't solve. And it happens a lot where I'll go to bed and in the night, man, that answer will come. I mean, physical answers like lift up the mattress, look at the carpet, you'll see a hole, pull that, you know, oh, I can get access to the fuse box from there. I would dream about it. Here's how to fix the front gate. Here's, I mean, practical stuff that didn't come from my own head. Okay. Guidance. But there's sometimes in your life that uh, there's a whole lot more to it. And that's when we have to trust and trust and, and faith. I want to say relax, but it's, it's impossible to relax in it. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's impossible just to, okay, you know, but you have to, uh, you have to faith and trust that he's sovereign and that he is in control of everything, whether you understand it or not. So whether you have to take a coin out of your pocket and flip it to make that decision, don't limit God and say, well, God's not going to answer that decision by me flipping a heads or tails because he just might. That might be what he's guiding you to do, to cast a lot. So we have to be sensitive to these things. We also have to get out of the way. Um, I found in my past, like I said, I always had to be in control. That was the problem with this attorney thing too in 2009 is I try to control the situation. And um, it's hard to get out of the way sometimes because you go, well, if I don't do anything, nothing's gonna get done. I'm not advocating being lazy. 
I'm just saying, when, when those are those circumstances that you really have to rely on God, um, I have many more stories about that. I go on and on. I had another great wind damage in 2014 that destroyed my property. But it wasn't the same thing. I wasn't yelling at God at that point. You know, I was just like, Lord, help me. You know, I'll get through this. And he did. But um, a few years back, well, a few years back, starting 2019 and 2020, both Linda and I went through quite an ordeal here. And in 2020, last summer, I went through a real personal ordeal where the nerves in one of my uh, uh, molars, my teeth were, were dying. And I've never felt such excruciating pain in my life. And um, that was around, I believe, June or July. Those have seen the pictures of me when I fell on my face. I coughed, so I choked on a potato chip and I coughed so hard. I lost consciousness and went face first on a tile floor. And I was messed up. I mean, it hit my head and uh, I was messed up for a while. I still think something's wrong with my head because of that. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I, I was sitting out in the back patio just begging God to kill me, to tell you the truth. I was like, God, just, you got to take my life. It, it was like, the only way I can describe it is Satan was allowed to grab his dental kit, his drill, and his dental kit and his pair of pliers and come to me and without any Novocaine do dental work on me. And he was allowed to do that. That's what it felt like. And I was begging God to take my life because I couldn't take the pay. I know, it's not like a baby, but it, I've never experienced anything like that. And I couldn't talk, I couldn't. I was just sitting outside at like 115 degree heat in a patio. Linda couldn't even come out and talk to me. I, I was so messed up. I, I had to take codeine and it wouldn't work. Nothing would happen. And uh, it was in that hour that I realized, you know, uh, begging God to take my life, do something. And he wouldn't do anything. It continued for about three hours um, as that nerve died. That's what they say was happening. God wouldn't do anything. He was pretty much silent. All I heard was my own voice, and my own voice said, uh, once again, I had a whisper in my ear, and it said, curse God and die. Do like Job's wife suggested to him when he was in great pain, just, you don't understand, God has abandoned you. Be done with this nonsense. Curse God and die. It was like the same voice that happened in 2006 when I fell on the ice in that blizzard and almost cracked my head and that voice said, I thought the angel was supposed to keep charge over thee. It's, it's the same voice. But this time the voice says, curse God and die. And I said to myself, nope, I've come this far. <laughs> I've been saved by Messiah. His blood has washed me of my sins. He's given me eternal life. I ain't giving that up for this. Uh-uh. I serve God, and I'm not here to tell you, oh, because I love the Lord so much, and 
you know, and oh, lovey, lovey. I serve God because there's a benefit. That benefit is eternal life. And I ain't giving that up. <laughs> so it was almost like the same moment of there is no other God but God. This was the same kind of aha moment where no, not even the greatest pain I've ever experienced was going to make me curse God and die. Because, well, not because, oh, I love God so much I'd never do that. It was because, no, I, I, I'm not going to lose that benefit. Are you nuts? So it was like that. But what it did, uh, what it did is it, it really helped shore up my faith eventually and why I believe what I believe and who I believe in. So it was a good thing. But it was hard. It was really, really difficult going through. I look back in hindsight, and I can talk about it today, but at that time it was really tough. So, you know, these are just a few stories. I'm sure you guys got dozens of your own stories. My brother Marcos has dozens of his own stories. And you know, we, we always ask why. We, I don't get it, I don't understand. You know, why you have to go through what you have to go through. Why is God allowing this in your life? Well, we won't understand. That's not our job to understand. We pray. We pray for God's grace, guidance, mercy, wisdom for us and those others. We hold them up in prayer, knowing that God is sovereign. And God works. He works out all things for good to those who are the called those who are called out those who are elected unto salvation were the inheritance of his son messiah he works all things out for our good amen so with that i want to say follow christ lockstep one of our One of our listeners who's listened to our podcast, The Kapow Show, for years, Jennifer Schaefer, recently died early this year. And uh, it was really, uh, really devastating to me. She was one of those uh, encouragers. And I'd hear from her maybe two, three times a week over the years. And she would just give me words of encouragement. She would listen to the show and then she would encourage me. And one of the, one of the last things she told me was, Paul, walk lockstep with Christ. Lockstep was her words, just lockstep. And she, she said this story about when she was young and she was in a blizzard, bunch of snow and whiteout conditions. They couldn't see anything. And she was just a little girl. And she, her brother, older brother said, grab my belt and hang on. And wherever you see my foot plant, you put your foot. Walk lockstep with me. I'm gonna guide you out of here. And he did. And she'll never forget that, how her brother guided her out as she had to stay on track. Just replicating his footsteps. And that's what she gave to me and said, Paul, 
lockstep with Christ. Don't go to the left, don't go to the right. Don't go sideways. Lockstep, lockstep. You, you can't, you can't see because of the blizzard. You and I today can't see because of the blizzard of evil around us. Demonic hordes, my God, have been released. Demonic darkness is surrounding us. I can't see. I can't even think because of the noise. But if I just hold on to Christ, if I just hold on to his belt and I see where he stepped, and I put my foot where he stepped, one step at a time, left, then right, then left, then right. I'm gonna get through it. May not understand it, may never understand it. It's gonna pull you through it. Let's do that today. I really appreciate Jennifer sharing that with me. And she gave me a lot of good encouragement. So when she went on to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, man, it was like, wow, I'm gonna miss that. But I do. But for you guys listening, let's understand the sovereignty of God in his decisions and in our decisions. And all we do, let's stay lockstep with him. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining me on this walk. Have a little God chat. Good night. Good day. God bless.